Creative Babble. Just a warning before we begin today's episode, this is a multi-part series. Start with part one, it will make a hell of a lot more sense. Also, this episode contains explicit language, references to suicide and child abuse. So you've been warned. Looking back, Dr. Gresman says that she experienced prank calls in the past. While working on call at the hospital, she would get random calls. She didn't elaborate on the nature of the calls, but said that she would pick up the phone every time. She had to because she was on duty. Dr. Gresman says that she didn't make the connection until the Instagram harassment started happening. But could this be the same person? The police informed Dr. Gresman that the messages Claudia and David were receiving appeared to be coming from the Rodriguez's own house. They asked her if she wanted to press charges, and Dr. Gresman declined. However, she said that if the harassment continues, they would be open to prosecution. As a result, the police closed the case, and coincidentally, the stalking stopped. And for almost three months, there was peace. Not a single message was sent. But Claudia and David were certain that it was almost a matter of time before the stalking started up again. And they were right. The first message read, In your neighborhood with the hitman. I hope you're having a delightful evening, sir. Tomorrow it's going to be you and my hitman. Two hits to your skull with an axe. Another message said, I might even poison the pooches, too. You're going to hell once I kill you and slaughter you and smother your face with my semen. I'm going to kill you and stab you to death, burn you in the desert and steal your wifey. I'm at Lowe's right now planning your death, sir. I purchased an axe and some tape, and I hired a hitman. I'm going to kill you, going to blow your brains out. Shoot your stomach and blow your esophagus and guts out. Bang, bang. I'm going to shoot your Johnson. This case is far from closed. I'm Javier Leva, and this is Pretend. Stories about real people pretending to be someone else. Picture this, a foggy evening, the whisper of secrets in the air, and an invitation to step back into the glamorous and mysterious 1920s. That's the backdrop of June's Journey, the game that's been keeping me glued to my phone lately. Instead of doom scrolling on social media, I am actually playing the part of June Parker, a daring detective with a personal mission to solve her sister's murder. And let me tell you, it is a roller coaster of emotions and puzzles. What's to love? Well, first of all, the thrill of hunting for hidden objects. I'm a sucker for these kinds of games. It's kind of like those books that we grew up with, but with a storyline that keeps thickening. Plus, the game takes place in New York to Paris, uncovering clues of scandalous family secrets that make you feel like a real detective. If you're ready for a dose of mystery, romance, and the glamour of the 1920s, June's Journey is waiting for you. Download it for free on iOS and Android, and let's see who cracks the case first.
This stalker case is far from over. Claudia and David hired a private investigator to try to find new evidence to support their case. That was a bust. And then they called the lawyer and asked to send John Gressman a cease and desist letter. That didn't stop the stalker either. Pizzas were now being sent to random people under Claudia's name. Meanwhile, the police contacted Cox Communication to see if it's possible for one of their employees to manipulate or mask an IP address to make it look like the messages were originating from inside the Rodriguez's house. Cox said they don't want to say anything is impossible, but this kind of activity is virtually impossible. Those were their words. She went on to say that anybody who had access to the network associated with the IP addresses work in Atlanta, thousands of miles away. Cox Communication added that John Gresman worked in marketing and had only been there for a year and would not have access to their network. The police also noted that the Rodriguez's have updated their router multiple times and the IP address still is coming back to an account associated with Claudia Rodriguez. I asked Claudia and David if the police ever asked to confiscate their phones and computers. They told me that they refused to turn them over. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I guess I should have given them my phone, but I was like, I'll never get my phone back and I'll have to buy another one. They told me that they just traded their old devices in exchange for brand new phones. None of the new devices were used to communicate with the stalker. If they would have asked us in the beginning of October, when my phone was full of stuff, I would have gladly handed over my phone. Claudia realizes that this wasn't a good look, so she called up the detective who was working on the case. I called him, and he was like, you know you're doing it. You just need to admit it. You know you're doing it. And I was like, I am not doing it. And then I said something that was probably not the smartest thing to say, but I don't care. But he got me so upset. I was crying, and I said, you're making me feel crazy. You are making me feel insane right now, okay? I am not doing it. Well, because he's accusing you of being crazy. Right, and I was hysterical, hysterical. The case was closed again. The stalking started in June 2019. It's now the spring of 2021, almost two years of nonstop torture. But finally, after the police closed the case again, the stalker seemed to be at bay. This time, it seemed like he was gone for good. It's been six months since the Rodriguez family has received the message. This is the longest quiet period they've had since this whole ordeal started back in 2019. Claudia and David changed their numbers and decided to move to the suburbs, 20 miles away from the man who they believe is tormenting them. And it worked. This is around the time that I met Claudia and David. They reached out to me because they wanted to clear their names. You asked me how, you know, why we brought this this far. I fear that that he has wicked thoughts in his head and that one day he might carry it out. And we might see on the news that she was murdered or something. He's threatened to blow up the hospital. And I... And I've it's made true. It. it's true. Some of these uh, fantasies could manifest into something right. real, right? So that's what I, that's what I what I'm fearing. And if that happens, I'm going to go straight to the reporters and say, "Hey, like, uh, this is what we went through with this guy, and we got no response from law." 
But the strange thing is that the stocking stopped. So why would they want a podcast to stir things back up? The last thing I want to do is air a podcast and be the reason why the stocking started again. I don't want this show to re-victimize these people. It's an intriguing story, but honestly, I passed. I told Claudia and David that I would keep an eye on their case, but had no plans to produce it as a podcast series. So while things were quiet, I wanted to get to know the people around Claudia and David. What do friends and family think of all this? They're very normal people who are all about family, all about family. All they all of their kids live in their home. They're devout Jehovah Witnesses. This is Cindy, a cousin of David and close friend of Claudia. Rarely uses a curse word. They're just normal people. They don't do drugs. I think very rarely will have an alcoholic beverage. I don't know how else to describe them. I called up someone who's been through a nightmare just like this. We're calling her Heather. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, good. I was just wanted to be sure. Yeah. Heather was the target of an elaborate online hoax involving dozens of frightening characters who made threats of kidnapping, murder, rape, and torture. Heather knows firsthand what it's like to be tormented by someone like this. So I asked Heather, looking back, would you have wanted someone to produce a podcast about your case while it's still happening? I was trying to convince them not to do this because honestly, I don't see the value in rehashing this. I asked her that. Not because it's not something that needs to be pursued in terms of some justice. If the guy stopped bothering them and constantly tormenting them, why would they want to go on a podcast and risk upsetting him and and starting this whole thing over again? I was concerned that going on air might, you know, be a, like you said, like sort of taking a whack at the hornet's nest. I don't think that people can let go of this. It's so psychologically traumatic. And I think it's the, 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 the humiliation and the anger about being manipulated for such a long time and to such an extent and taking the brunt of just an immense amount of personal abuse. It seems like they, at this point, they want revenge. Like they're angry about this whole thing. But I don't know if that's the right way to deal with that. I don't know. I, I, I keep going back to I would just let it die. But you were felt really passionate right before we stopped talking about it as to why they shouldn't let it die. In my own case, I didn't want to let it die. I wanted it to die. And if it had died on its own, uh, there would have been nothing to pursue legally. But there is an importance to keeping it alive because of the feeling of just the injustice of it. And you want someone to be held accountable If it were me, I would try to move on and put the stalker behind me. But Claudia and David don't want to leave this alone. They want to hold the doctor and her husband responsible. So the Rodriguez family filed a complaint with the state medical board. They say that the perpetrator has also texted them Chelsea's birth date and private health information that only the doctor, the parents, and the patients should know. Also, if Dr. Gresman were truly concerned Claudia suffered from Munchausen by proxy and didn't do anything about it, then she should be held accountable. The Rodriguez's reminded the medical board that Dr. Gresman is a mandated reporter, and she has a responsibility to report information to Child Protective Services, and she didn't. Their hope is that once the medical board reviews the case, 
they will vote to strike down Dr. Gresman's medical license. You know, they interviewed us in June for over an hour. They asked lots of detailed questions and then they said that they had assigned an investigator to it. And then she said it could take six months or longer for the investigation to be over. Well, we're at the six month mark now. So I don't know if the other party has been made aware of the findings. Like I said, I didn't have any active plans to turn this into a podcast series, but like you, I just couldn't look away. So I kept talking with Claudia and David. I wanted to know the results of the medical board investigation. With a stalker at bay, I took this opportunity to learn more about Claudia and David. We have three boys. Oh yeah, three boys. Claudia explains that her and her husband, David, have five kids. All but one are adults. There's James, who's 22 years old. He also has a developmental disability, like his sister, and he's got the mentality of probably like a 10-year-old. Despite the fact that James is an adult, Claudia and David have guardianship over him, meaning they have legal authority to make decisions on their son who is legally deemed incompetent. I don't know if you know anything about the guardianship process, but it's not an easy thing to go through. You have to have paperwork. You have to have a paper trail. You have to prove that your adult kid is not able to make decisions. And so it's a process and you have to go to court. Because you're taking rights away from them. He can be a challenge at and times. He's got severe asthma. And he has like a COPD level asthma, terrible lung function. But, you know, it's we manage it with meds and stuff. Then there's their oldest son, Will. Will is 29 years old. And he lives with you guys? Yeah, he's got some medical problems that are pretty debilitating. But he's got something called ankylosing spondylitis, which is, I think it's called bamboo spine, to be honest. But it's a autoimmune disease where if you aren't medicated, your spine will basically fuse into one bone and you're stuck in whatever position it fuses into. Oh, man. So, he's, yeah, so he's on some pretty heavy duty medicines and he's with us. Now let's talk about their oldest daughter, who we're calling Logan. Logan is a daughter who the postal inspector accused of sending out all these messages. Our oldest daughter... She suffers from severe depression and anxiety due to the fact that when she was 14, she was molested by a family friend. And so she's never really recovered from it. And she's 29 now, and she still suffers like you wouldn't believe. The youngest child is Alex. Alex is not their biological son. We adopted our great nephew. He's nine years old right now, but we got him when he was four months old. He's funny. He's got smart, very smart, very smart. And we love him. He's just a joy. That's good. Yeah. No disabilities. Like he's perfectly healthy. Um, he's got ADHD, <laughs> but he yeah. was drug exposed in the yeah. womb. So I'm not surprised, but no. But he's, overall, he's healthy other than, I mean, everybody has ADHD yeah. nowadays. Yeah. We've got some heavy-duty stuff here. The fifth child is who we're calling Chelsea. Chelsea was Dr. Gresman's former patient. Got a shunt in her brain from a misdiagnosis when she was 
an infant, they didn't diagnose her correctly. And so by the time they figured out what was wrong with her, she had irreversible brain damage. She has a shunt in her brain that has to be monitored by a neurosurgeon. So she's had several shunt revisions. She's had two spinal detethering. She has to be watched. Plus she has a pain problem that developed in 2005 and we've never been able to get it resolved. It's a weird syndrome. Central body. It's called central nervous, central pain syndrome, central nervous pain syndrome or She's been very hard to treat by most doctors. It's a lot of guesswork, and she gets sent home still in pain, and they say it's psychological. But it's clearly not psychological. It's her brain, like, misfiring pain signals to the scars on her body. It's been hard. Like, 2018 was horrible. She had a detethering. She had the stoma surgery first by Dr. You-Know-Who. Dr. You-Know-Who is Dr. Gresman. And then she had a very serious infection from that. And then the neurosurgeon said that that surgery should have never been done in the first place, that the doctor should have referred her to neurosurgery first. The surgery happened in 2018, a year before the stalking began. I reviewed Chelsea's medical records with permission from Claudia. It's a detailed log of Dr. Gresman's diagnosis, surgery recommendations, plus post-op reports. It seems that despite the fact that Claudia and David elected to continue the surgery, they now believe that the surgery Dr. Gresman performed was completely unnecessary and could have caused more harm than good. They say that what she really needed was spinal cord surgery. After Dr. Gresman's surgery, Chelsea underwent another surgery. You see, For most people, the spinal cord floats around freely, but for some children, the spinal cord gets pulled down and stuck. Surgeons are able to place a tether along the spine to help guide the spine as it grows. This surgery is minimally invasive and mostly done on children. But remember, Chelsea is not a child. Her spine was fully grown, and at the time of the surgery, she was in her 20s. They had to teach her how to walk again because she lost feeling from the knees down. And um, we were there for a whole month getting her strong enough to learn how to walk again. But that kid's been through so much and it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And I'm going to go on a rant, but I take offense to Dr. You-Know-Who ever suggesting that I'm bringing harm to my kid and putting her through unnecessary medical procedures. That really makes me angry. She has no clue what we've been through with her. No clue whatsoever. So to say that to the police really upsets me because that is the farthest thing from the truth. Nobody in their right mind would put their kid through unnecessary surgical procedures. And that's exactly what Dr. Gresman had accused Claudia of. Dr. Gresman told police that the Rodriguez family enjoys bringing in her daughter Chelsea for treatments. Even her staff noticed the unusual behavior, noting that something was odd about this family. The doctor added that Claudia milks Chelsea's illness for attention, and that her behavior is very similar to Munchausen by proxy. Like we talked about in earlier episodes, Munchausen by proxy is a mental illness 
where a caretaker, usually the mother, harms her child or her children in order to create the illusion of an illness. These people are not typically motivated by money. They're simply seeking attention. Munchausen by proxy got its name from the German aristocrat Baron von Munchausen, an 18th century German cavalry officer who was known for telling unbelievable tales about his adventures. This disorder has a silly name, and it's named after a silly guy, but there's nothing silly about it. Many of us have seen the documentary Mommy Dead and Dearest about Gypsy Rose Blanchard, who killed her mother. And then there's another case about a woman named Lacey Spears who poisoned her son with salt through his feeding tube. The boy died at age five. So how common is Munchausen by proxy syndrome? It's really hard to tell because there are no reliable statistics or studies showing exactly how many people struggle with the disorder. However, the Cleveland Clinic estimates that 1,000 to 2.5 million child abuse cases are considered factitious disorder imposed by another. That's just the medical term for Munchausen by proxy. You two have been through a lot with all of your kids. And I guess from a distance, if you're just looking at a chart or just not intimately involved, it does seem like a lot of procedures, but you're going through a lot of trial and error at the same time too. But I could totally see how somebody could look at all this and say, wow, yeah, Munchausen by proxy. I could see how they could jump to that conclusion. Possibly, maybe, but if your child needs to see the neurosurgeon, then you take your kid to the neurosurgeon. If your daughter cannot urinate and she cannot void, then you have to take your child to the doctor that can remedy that. I have no choice. What if I didn't take her back to doctor you-know-who? Then what? I'm liable for that. Well, no, I mean, as a parent, I would do anything and everything to help right. my kid out, especially if my kid is in pain or I would go to the end of the world to fix it. So I could totally understand that as a parent. I sympathize with that, but I could also see from a distance if somebody puts it all together, they're like, oh, wait, they might be going overboard or something like that. Yeah. Well, you know what? So was in and out of hospitals from about 2000, the fall of 2005, all the way up until about 2012. It was like a revolving door. We were taking her to Dr. You-Know-Who's office monthly, practically, because we were having major complications. And Javier, what I um, read into this is she, I think, mentioned this in the police report, that it was unusual for a patient to be seen that often. So I think complexity frustrated her, whereas she's used to doing patients that heal up and they're gone. Police say that whoever's sending these messages is living in that house. They are convinced that Claudia has a mental disorder and is making all this up. That's the theory anyway. But if it's not Claudia and David, could it be one of their five children still living at home? Remember, four out of the five children are adults. Maybe police have this all wrong. Claudia and David are just two ordinary parents who have just been dealt a bad hand. They say their kids can't be the culprits because they have solid alibis. I wanted to learn more about these kids. So I started with their oldest son, Will. I'm bleeping out his real name for privacy reasons. So all five children live with you guys still, but 
you told me once a little bit about him and I know that he had circumstances too, where he got in trouble for, was it statutory rape? If I remember correctly, or mm-hmm. in the state that we live in, you could urinate in public and be, be oh, yeah. arrested, arrested yeah. as a sex offender. Right. Yeah, yeah. And he was, I feel treated unfairly but it nonetheless he's paying the consequences i warned the kid he didn't listen to me was he ever considered a suspect by the cops did they ever because i didn't read any of that in the police report like they never brought up any of your sons no because he at the time he did not have a device he was not allowed to have a device and then he actually got a device in december of 2019 and we don't monitor it probation monitors it they put net nanny on it and they watch his movements so he's not allowed to go on social media he's they and then they grab his phone when he does make a visit they'll take his phone randomly and go through it yeah so because of that they naturally rolled him out yeah and do you have a good relationship with him like everybody has problems with their parents you know but do you guys have a healthy relationship Yeah, he's kind of a know-it-all sometimes and will run his mouth, but we shut him down pretty quickly. But for the most part, he's a good kid. Well, he's a man, but I call him my kid. But he's a hard worker. He does what he's supposed to do. He comes home when he's supposed to be home. He tells me where he is. So yeah, we have a good relationship with him. How about their oldest daughter, Logan? What do we know about her? Again, I'm bleeping out her real name to protect her privacy. Logan, by the way, suffers from depression. She wrote all her friends a suicide note. And then she she actually had texted me, but I was sleeping. This was like 1, 1.30 in the morning. And, and I didn't see it till the next morning. And I had just assumed that she had come home because she worked late. So I'm figuring she's sleeping. And then I read it. I read our message, which was basically a suicide note saying she was going to drive to the Grand Canyon and jump off the edge. And let me tell you, that scared the crap out of us. But my daughter actually drove all the way to the Grand Canyon. It was snowing up there. And she drove all the way to the parking lot and walked the edge and changed her mind. As soon as Claudia and David realized what was happening, they jumped in their car and drove out in the desert at night to get her. When we brought her home and then we took her to a hospital and that is the night, night, morning, you know, into the night, next morning. That's when the harassment restarted. I'm not in jail. Ha ha. I've missed you, bigots. And, you know, and, I'm, and, and that's when that restarted. And she was in our site, did not have her device. He's back, isn't he? He's back. After seven months of peace, the stalker returned. But this time, the person sending the messages as John Gresman turned his rage against his own infant daughter. He wasn't very happy with having a baby girl, and he wanted to lock her in her crib. And he used some derogatory language towards the baby and wanted to lock it in its crib and or put it outside with a bottle. It's cold here. It's just all very disturbing. That's next time on Pretend. What do you guys think of these episodes so far? I'd love to get your thoughts. Send me a voice memo or an email to Javier at pretendradio.org. Also, make sure to follow me on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. 
My handle is at pretend pod. I'm going to be talking about this case as the episodes roll out. I'd love to hear what you think, and I'd love for you to share this with your followers. Remember, if you want to binge the entire series right now, subscribe to Pretend Plus on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to every episode, plus get cool merch like stickers and t-shirts. That's it for this week. Make sure to keep spreading the word about Pretend. Tell your friends, tag Pretend on social. Just get the word out. It's the only real way that this show can grow. All right, I'll talk to you next week. Creative Babble.